What about you, Nathan? You had a boyfriend. I am only 15. All right. For a moment there, I thought you were the voice of experience. Obviously not. From Slightly Unbalanced, we are still queer as folk. I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Today, we're talking about episode six of Channel 4's Queer as Folk, and it's called Meet the Parents. First aired in the UK on March 30th, 1999, and it was written by Russell T. Davies. Meet the Parents was directed by Sarah Harding, her second of four episodes of Queer as Folk. She also directed the 50 episodes of that famous Coronation Street. Here's the synopsis of Meet the Parents. The relationship between Vince and Cameron starts to show cracks as Stuart's hold on Vince becomes more and more obvious to Cameron. Stuart is forced to confront his own parents about their pending divorce, while his own role as a parent is brought into question when Romy announces that she is marrying Lance in order for him to secure a visa. You didn't like him. <laughs> didn't. Uh, Stuart tries to set things right with Nathan's family and delivers him back to his parents' house. But Nathan's father, Roy, appears and in a rage, crashes into Stuart's Jeep and begins to physically berate Nathan. After experiencing every angle of parents, Cameron lectures Stuart about his hold on Vince and presses him into backing off so that Cameron can have a go at making Vince happy. This was a rather serious episode. There were funny moments in it, but the subject matter was darker. Uh, yeah, I think we've seen like the lighter side of being gay man, turn of the century, or, you know, turn, turn of, of the century. Turn of the millennium, I should say. Oh, Excuse yeah, that's me. right. It was it's coming up on that. <laughs> yes. It's like, which century? <laughs> <laughs> we're going from the 20th to the 21st. Yeah, our Victorian uh, gay soap opera here. <laughs> which I would totally watch. Um, hint, hint to Russell T. Davies. Uh, <laughs> there we go. I, yeah, right. Yeah. I think we've always seen like the, the lighter side of it. And which is why I think we've, we've always commented on uh, the, the humor in every episode. So, but here it's like, okay, it's all fun and games, but until we had to deal with like, oh yeah, here's something that every gay man, woman, queer person has to kind of experience, which is sort of how do they na navigate that coming out process and where has it landed when it comes to say the parental figure? Uh, there are three parental stories going on in this episode. We meet Stuart's parents, Cameron meets Vince's parents and Nathan is struggling with his own parents. And if you throw in the really quick story of Romy and Lisa and Lance, that's another set of parents. Uh, that's mm -hmm. pretty much how this episode is structured. Three stories about three gay guys and how they interact with their parents and a little bit of lesbianism. It's a really great contrast to see the out Vince with his mother against the closeted Stuart with his parents. And then Nathan's situation with his parents, where he's sort of bursting out of the closet. There's a really quick runner of Alexander being ignored by his parents, but that story speeds up later. We didn't really get much of Alexander in this episode, but it was a true runner where uh, we get just a taste of it and we know that there's more to come on it. So our A story, uh, Vincent Cameron. So we actually start out the show with what was one of the comedy moments here? Come on, man, you haven't said a word. How's it going? That date of yours, the new girlfriend. Um, not so bad. You're still seeing her then? How long's that been now? Rosalie, I'm with a customer. I'd forgotten that Rosalie thinks that Vince has a girlfriend. <laughs> oh yeah, that the new girlfriend. Uh, right. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> why is this charade still happening? <laughs> well, it was hilarious to see the juxtaposition of Cameron. There's all sorts of benefits with the club card, sir. 
Save up points, you can get air miles, weekend breaks. Are any of the benefits in store? What would you have in mind, sir? I just thought there might be the chance to shag one of the staff. Exactly what kind of shag did sir have in mind? Oh, I thought the full fuck. Oh, very good, sir. Ugh, that fine Australian man, yes. Are you into Cameron Roberts? Are you not? <laughs> um, I don't know. He's got this, uh, this episode, I've got some notes on him that we'll get to in a second. This episode, he, he's obviously still physically attractive, but some of the things he's doing in this episode were kind of a turnoff. Okay, that, that that's interesting because th- this is where we're going to go into that, um, <laughs> into that whole, like discussion that we had and that sort of debate we had when we came to Dr. David Cameron. So <laughs> we remember we remember how much of a fan I was of him uh, until he, you know, went off the deep end. But so far, I'm a, I am a big fan of Cameron here. You know who he reminds me of? Every time he smiles, I look at him like he's a thinner Hugh Jackman. Ah, yeah, like definitely. He's like, he's, like a, he's like a lankier Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And uh, that's a whole other... We won't get into the rumors about him. But... So maybe that's why I'm uh, I'm kind of into him. I'm waiting for him to burst into a musical number at any moment. Oklahoma, Sunset Boulevard. I mean, he's done them all. So Vince gets a new phone and we get a reminder of the complicated relationship between Vince and Stewart when Sandra shows up with that replacement phone that's already ringing. Uh, remember that Cameron chucked Vince's phone into the Rochdale Canal in last episode, was it? On the yes. Date? So, of course, it's Stuart calling to command Vince to go uh, out that night. Uh, it's student night, apparently. Of course, that night ends with Stuart fall down drunk. This uh, this was just kind of a moment to show that Stuart was kind of in distress. And we'll get to Stuart's story in a, in a bit. It was nice to see some Vincent Cameron time dealing with a fall down drunk Stuart. Yes, there's that sort of like, at this moment, at least, Cameron is understanding like, okay, clearly we have someone who's going through something so you're trying to help him forget his troubles so yeah go go take care of this lot well and i'll be back with you like yeah as they're trying to schedule their <laughs> their <own car>. right <laughs> but like i'm seeing i'm seeing a a supportive partner who's like you need to go and take care of your friends i understand i'll check on you later what did you think of alexander's entrance Vince, help me oh jesus christ help me they're gonna kill me they've got knives and everything they wouldn't stop following they're gonna kill me Ooh, no one, you fucker. It's just good entrance. Look, it's me. I'm back. You can... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just like, he. I just love that he bursts into the scene every time, no matter what he's doing, no matter where he's going. It can be, you know, coming back into town or at a funeral. And he somehow will manage to make himself the center of attention, but I'm not annoyed by it. (laughs) I'm always amused. Fun fact about Anthony Cotton, who plays Alexander, he's appeared in 1,681 episodes of Coronation Street. He started in 2003. He's still on the show, too. I was going to say, like, I I was like, how many episodes of Coronation Street do they do a year? Oh, it's on, uh, it's three times a week, 30 minutes, uh, and they do two a day. So it's like six episodes a week. I'm fascinated by the structure of how this show is aired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a soap opera. It's American style soap opera, which is five episodes a week. Sure, sure. I used to be way into General Hospital, the American soap opera. I watched that for like years and then I just kind of, uh, you know what? The, The director changed and like all the stories got completely different. And I was just no longer interested. (laughs) This was at the time when it was about spies and secret agents and stuff like that. And this is like daytime TV. It's great. What? Yeah. Uh, So anyway, um, Cameron Bales. This was kind of an important moment. Think about 
Cameron's position in life. He's a 36-year-old accountant. He's got limits on what he's going to deal with. And we're starting to see these differences between Vince and Cameron, not really generationally, but just station in life. Mm-hmm. I, I really keyed in on that where I, I was just thinking like, oh, come on, Cameron, lighten up. Just roll with it. It's a good point to bring up about station in life because we have this conversation that happens with um, uh, Alexander and Vince. Oh, like, that lovely the, scene in bed yes, where they're under the covers together. It. He's a bit non-scene. I mean, he comes out with me. He goes to Canal Street, but he's sort of outside it. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes he looks at me like I've been brought up by a pack of wolves. Yes, I love this scene because leading up to it, we like as they're trying to take care of a, a drunken Stuart, Alexander keeps using the word boyfriend, but Vince is so hesitant to qualify that. He says, like, we're just having a laugh. And it's like, well, clearly you are both into each other. You say yourself the shagging is great. He's clearly good for you and that like he's willing to come out with you, even though he's and he describes him as that he's totally non-scene, which <laughs> like I'm, I'm just, like I'm trying to still understand what what is Vincent so af- what is Vince so afraid of uh, to want to qualify this relationship is it because he's still in the closet at work. Well, he's still in love with Stuart. Subconsciously, right? Subconsciously, he's still in love with Stuart. Yes, uh, but at some point, like you're gonna have to shit or get out the pot, and like, do you want to lock this down or not? And you're going to tell me that this man, who I think is good looking, again, Australian. Let's mm. not forget this fact. Drives a BMW. Australian. Drives a BMW. Steady ass job. Like Owns what, a home. Uh, owns, yeah. Like, what is. What As we is find out from here? Hazel, who interrogated him. Yes. <laughs> Which I get. Lovely scene. And again, a, a, a version of like, this is why I'm also like shocked that Vince is still in the closet at work when. You know, I think he, you know, he has obviously a very supportive mother. He has supportive friends. Like, I think he could easily be out at work and not worry about anything. I'm not sure if I like Cameron's sense of humor, though. Right. What are you having? Tea? There's none of that Earl Grey nonsense. It's plain old tea bag, mind you. Like it or lump it. What do you mean exactly? Tea bags? What do you mean? What do I mean? Tea bags. Tea in a bag. A bag full of tea. Look. All right. That's quite good. We did the same sort of thing on walkabout in the bush. You had to suspend tea leaves in the membrane sack of a newborn koala. Tasted nice. In a meaty sort of a way. <laughs> well, you're kidding me. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. Cameron, are you just being a dick or what? <laughs> I, I, it was him. It was seeing. It was seeing how far he could take it. And the, I mean, he saw. I mean, that was like deadpan. Like for a second, I was believing it. And so then, when he finally like let the joke go, the way I thought Hazel actually kind of found it just cheeky enough. So I thought she was. She seemed into it. I did like Cameron's dig at Nathan though, when Nathan is uh, giving it to Vince about lack of boyfriends and kind of showing that he's he's got some experience on it. And Cameron just calls him right out. What about you, Nathan? You had a boyfriend. I am only 15. All right. For a moment there, I thought you were the voice of experience. Obviously not. Oh, I loved it. Putting him in his teenage place. Yeah, because Nathan had like a, he had a cocky smirk the whole time. And then Cameron said, and what about it? And Nathan just like, his demeanor changed. And he just walked out, tail between his legs. Again, into it, into Cameron. There's a scene with Cameron and Stuart at the bar after Nathan and Stuart's run-in with Nathan's father. And we'll get to that story in a bit. Everyone's at the pub laughing about it. Cameron has this go at Stuart. Well, it's only eight o'clock, Stuart. Plenty of time for an encore. What's that supposed to mean? You've taken a family and torn it apart. What's next? 
<laughs> it wasn't his fault. Be fair. He was trying to get him home. Well, how come he wasn't home in the first place? His fault's that. I was doing the right thing. He was trying to help. Yeah, driving up in that bloody Jeep for all the world to see. Supper. Never mind his mum and dad. So long as you've got a good story for the pub, you're happy. Oh, that's right. Everyone have a go at me. They're coming from the other side of the world now to have a go at me. That did is also being really aggressive about it. So it's almost like Cameron unleashed. It's just another like generational moment where, I don't know, I, I'd kind of find it funny. I would laugh about Nathan's father attacking Stuart's car. I'd find that funny. I could I could see like having a pint and laughing about that. But Cameron's not having anything to do with it. Yeah, the thing that actually really stuck out for me that made me start to look at Cameron differently was when he was talking about this make-believe family that Stuart has. And I'm like, well, no, Cameron, um, as... <laughs> To, to quote a famous drag queen, as we as gay people get to choose our family. Oh, I've got a lot of notes about that scene later on. So right in the middle of this, Stuart gets a call from Romy saying that she's getting married. And then there's a great jump cut to where they're all just piling out of the car. At Romy's yes, house. yes. I loved that quick cut. Like, because he's going on and on. And Romy's just like, like, he's clearly not even paying attention to what's going on in the phone call. And he's not letting Romy really get in a word in edgewise. As soon as she says married, boom, he's at the door. <laughs> the gist of the Cameron and Vince story here is that Lisa accidentally confuses Stuart and Vince. Mm-hmm. Cameron, long after you are gone, he'll still have Vince. Stuart's little acolyte, poor sod. If there's any consolation, Vince can wait all he likes. That shag's never gonna happen. Shit. You're with Vince? Yeah. Shit. Easy mistake. <laughs> Stuart and Vince. She starts to accidentally fill in Cameron about the nature of their relationship. And I just love these moments where there's a character that has absolutely no idea if they're, that they're talking to the wrong person. And you're just kind of thinking like, oh, oh, no, stop. Don't, don't do it. And, and you it just is, can't stop the words from coming out. Right. It is, it is a train wreck and there is no stopping it. And you have like you almost want to like watch through your fingers like, yeah, <laughs> you don't want to watch, but you can't look away. <laughs> Great writing technique, though, to, to do that, because that really keeps us as viewers like engaged and emotionally attached to these characters, mm. because so far we didn't really like have any particular reason to really latch on to Lisa. But here it was like, oh, no, sweetie, you are like going to like botch this. Don't do that. And then we're then we feel sorry for her. Right. All these are clues that are starting to pile up for Cameron being a bit of a fish out of water with Vince. This is still Queer as Folk. Stick around. Got more to come. talk about Nathan's story right now before we weave these all together. So Janice Maloney and Hazel show up at the bar where Nathan, Donna, and what was his name? Daz. 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 Uh, are but, there. <laughs> just so you know, I recently watched the Netflix film, The Prom, and there's a musical number called Zazz. So now that's just in my head and I don't know if it's Zazz or if it's Daz or if Daz has the Zazz. It's 
go on. <laughs> but yes, it's Daz. <laughs> okay. I didn't like Nathan's treatment of his mother. What do you think you're doing? Come out for a drink. It's allowed, isn't it? I was just telling your mother. Best day of my life. My son came out. I find all this. It's not just for you, Nathan. He's shaming me. I'm with Hazel. I'm not bothering you. You're following me around. It's shaming. <sighs> We're going. Drinks for a quid in mantle. Shut up. Don't. She's made the effort. She got a new skirt. Listen to her. Jiminy Cricket. Fuck him. Just fuck him. He's such a fucking bitch. I am so angry at him. <laughs> She's trying. It's like Nathan. Oh, she is making he... every goddamn effort with you, Nathan. And I'm glad Donna was there to like say, she, she's making the effort. Look at her. It's one fucking drink. She got Calm a new down. skirt for you. <laughs> and then this is why this is when I became like even bigger fan of Janice is that after he stormed off in a little bitchy huff, she's like, I've got my drink and I'm going to stay here as long as it takes. And I was like, yes, you are good for you. And I thought at that moment, too, that Hazel's like a great guide. Yes. For Janice mm-hmm. as like, she's kind of navigating uh, her son being out and Hazel's the perfect person to like take you on that journey and to like bring you to the bar and have the Bacardi and Coke with you. <laughs> I think Janice had a G and T there. So yeah, she had the gin and yeah. And, and Hazel had the Bacardi and I, yeah, and I love that, you know, she's, she, and the reassurance she offers to Janice in that moment is really, really nice. And, you know, Vince was always, was embarrassed when I first started coming out here. But guess what? It's not just for him. And I, I love that. I love that she's able to put her at ease in that moment. So we get a cut to the next day where Nathan is uh, on the playground, I guess we call that, <laughs> at his school. Which is so weird to say. And all uh, <laughs> all these kids in Chris, Christian Hobbs's gang are kind of having a go at Nathan and calling him out on not living at home and having a boyfriend. And then Stuart pulls up. First off, I love how these kids are all just terrified of Stuart. I don't know why, but... (laughs) It's the Jeep. Yeah, the Jeep. (laughs) So Stuart uh, witnessed Nathan's catty behavior towards his mom at the bar, and that's really why he's here. When we match this up with his own dysfunctional relationship with his parents, it just seemed like a fantastic idea for him to take Nathan home, I guess. Yeah, I felt it kind of... It felt a little random, uh, I guess I always thought that maybe it would have had to have been like Vince telling Stuart he has to get out of this house and then Stuart obliging maybe in some way. But at least he gets them there. <laughs> I love how Stuart seems to have like some genuine affection for Nathan. He He's more of a fully integrated part of their social set now. And it just seems easy that he just kind of walked right into the situation at first was the outcast. But now it's like Stuart kind of cares about him even though he's got or even though he's driven by his own need to make family right here it's still kind of cute to see him thinking i gotta take this kid home i see what is going on what's going on with his family i see what it's doing to them get in the jeep i'm gonna take you home Mm -hmm. best of intentions right absolutely and then they have a lovely makeout scene go on give them a chance i'm still going back to hazel's nathan your mother and father know You've got no idea how lucky you are. Go and argue with, go and shout, go and, go and watch telly with them. I don't care, just get in there. If I do, can I have another shot? Cheeky, good luck. Which, I think it was more of like, 
I almost thought Stuart was trying to just give him a goodbye kiss. Like, this is going to probably be the last time you kiss me. And Nathan just like. Oh, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> no, and, well, okay. And the reason why I say it is because like if you I'm looking at the body language of the rest of it. So, yes, he's kissing him pretty deeply, but he's keeping his hands on the steering wheel. So when he locks lips with Nathan, Nathan then like grips him and like, I'm going to take everything I can. Oh, yeah. More of that jaw kissing <laughs> that yeah. we've talked about before. Yes. Well, he did ask for a shag if he uh, <laughs> if he went into the house. Right. And it's, uh, but I, I don't know if Nathan was in entirely gonna oblige it probably would have been just another fast handy uh well it didn't last long because roy maloney nathan's father uh comes screaming up behind and rams the jeep a couple times like seriously Jesus. When he gets out of the car and he's Roy is screaming at Stuart about Nathan, all he is saying is he's a 15 year old boy. Yes, he's I took this exact same boy. Note. Yes, he's a 15 year old boy. And like, is he more upset at the fact that it's because Nathan's underage and less and less so because he's gay? Because <laughs> then that turns into a whole different thing in which I'm like, then Stuart, you kind of have this coming and you shouldn't be surprised. Nathan, get in that house. He's 15 years old. He's 15. That boy is 15. So? The Jeep's only six months old and you've still buggered it. You little bastard. I'm warning you. Nine, nine. One more nine and I'll have the police and warn him. Bring him here. Tell him what you did to a 15-year-old boy. My note was that I thought that Roy acted this scene off message because I think we're supposed to believe that it's because he's gay. But Roy was clearly anguished that there's a 29-year-old man shagging his 15 year old son yes that absolutely and rightly so <laughs> yeah i'm like no he got a point he's got a point and you have all of this coming to you so for you to then claim that you're going to call the police because he rammed your car it's like but you rammed his underage son so <laughs> rammed him i'm <laughs> i'm like i'm a, I, I i'm more inclined to be on roy's side with this which is very strange to say yeah, that's why I thought it was just kind of acted a little strangely. Um, well, I think it's more the I think it comes down to more the writing. Like, I think they should have made it very like made it clearer that it was because he is gay and not just because of the other age. But like when he's just given this 15, 15 year old boy over and over again, it's like, oh, yeah, you the fact that you're saying his age and that he's a boy, not a man. Th- you know, there's there's other implications you're bringing into this. Well, so instead of returning Nathan to the nest, Stuart just kind of like caused this big commotion amongst the family and turned it into a, just a great big mess. And one thing I liked in this scene, though, is that Stuart rescued Nathan, mm-hmm. which could only make Stuart more desirable in Nathan's eyes. Oh, yeah, knight in shining armor in this moment. Yeah, exactly. I I, I did like that uh, as Stuart saw that trouble was erupting, that his life was in danger. He just got out of there, whereas I think in uh, a different show of the same name, uh, it probably would have been like jump out of the car, um, you know, with bulletproof vests on, draw both guns and, you know, <laughs> yeah, here, this was legit. Like Stuart was like scared. <laughs> he like booked. And then he saw that, uh, Nathan was getting beat up by his dad. So he threw it in reverse and, and, and grabbed him. Let's talk about, uh, Stuart's parents and then, uh, we'll have to tie all these together. This was a, 
This episode was written so woven together that it was impossible to break this out into A, B, and C stories because all stories were leading up to one culmination. And the final mm -hmm. thread here is Stuart's parents and Stuart as a parent. So we meet Stuart's mother. Just, just one quick aside. Uh, was what she was doing in that um, workout room, is that jazzercise? You know what it reminded me of? There's this movie... <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie from the 80s called Perfect with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta. And Jamie Lee Curtis plays like this aerobics instructor. And that, that class like exactly reminded me of it. I'll have to send you a clip of what the uh, credit sequence from that movie looks like because that's exactly what it reminded me of. <laughs> I think nowadays it's called like Zumba or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, using rhythm to be a use of cardiovascular exercise is what this was. It's called dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, I don't know what. They all become fads at some point. Well, we see that Stuart's mother is a nice enough lady, though she clearly doesn't know that Stuart is gay. We find out that Stuart's mother is being divorced by his father. So I guess Stuart and Marie's scheme here is to get their parents back together again. And that's why they are making a unified front and going over to confront their parents. Stuart's going to take the dad, sit him down, have some words with him. But then he immediately says that, uh, oh, we're not getting divorced anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, we've changed our minds. It's that endowment policy. Matured last month. Might as well use it. We looked at the sums, but uh, ah, divorce would have eaten it up. So your mother's made the booking. Paris next month. I was like, what? It, what is what? happening here? <laughs> this was why hard why to are follow. you here, Stuart? <laughs> this is this is a bit hard to follow. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. So I, I stretched here, and maybe the lesson is okay. People are going to have ups and downs, and the restless father uh, may be having his own middle age crisis and wants to get a divorce, but then realizes, sure. okay, maybe we should stay together. Yeah, things are too things are good enough. I don't want to start over. Yeah. Yeah, and something about Romy and Lisa's house when we find out that uh, Romy and Lance are going to get married in order for Lance to stay in the country. It means that Stuart is going to need to make himself scarce in case they're ever investigated. Lance starts having these digs at Stuart. Just look at you. Of course you're worried, Stu. I mean, there's Alfred. What about him? Well, obviously I'll have to live here full time. I've checked up on it. The Home Office can investigate whenever they want. So I'll be here. Permanently. I got no choice. But you're his father. Who said I wasn't? You could be here just as much as me if you made the effort. That guy was really gutsy considering that Stuart could only like fuck up his plan <laughs> like entirely. The visa thing is actually secondary to you trying to teach Stuart a lesson on being a present father. Like it didn't make sense. Like why? Yeah. Why do you want to fuck up your own plan? Because like, yeah, there was a sort of like condescending tone. Like you would know if you were here. And right. I was like, you could be here. <laughs> But like, like, dude. But, like, but that would that would screw you up, Lance, and you would have to and you would leave England. Like, why why are you trying to piss off the father? Like <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? But I liked how it serviced the story of Stuart not being a good dad after he had just had this conversation with his own dad. So mm -hmm. it, it sort of worked in that direction, but you just know that Lance is not gonna have a good outcome here. <laughs> He's like right. trifling with the wrong guy. 
uh, something that I also found interesting is that uh, the lesbians spontaneously like burst into party and Stuart had to take Alfred with him because there'd be too much cigarette smoke. Uh, wh- where did this party come from? Was it the engagement party, maybe? That they just had spontaneously planned? or sp- like, Yeah, like all of a sudden the short-haired lesbian is pouring champagne and the steward's leaving with the baby. <laughs> I feel like something was cut here. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that assessment. I, I've sensed that a couple other times in Queer Folk UK where it seems like there was more to the story that was cut out in order to get it down to like 30 minutes or whatever the, the broadcast runtime was going to be. Oh. I keep thinking, oh man, like a director's cut of these would be great. <laughs> I will say in the past um, year or so, I've seen quite a bit of um, director's cut films. I've, like I would see the theatrical version and then later see the, the director's cut version and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the director's cut version is better because you were able to fill in some of the holes that I think I like you were probably pushed by studios to cut, but like, Oh my God, the director's cut makes so much more sense. Right. <laughs> Leave them be. Exactly. So, uh, Stuart gets out of the Jeep with little Alfie. Clive appears on the street just as Stuart's getting out of the taxi. And it seems like this is Clive's first time in Stuart's home, which I found really interesting right away. Clive is smelling something unusual with Stuart and this baby. Well, anyway, you got your hands full. Alfred. He's Romy's. My friend Romy, she's having a party. I said I'd look after him. All that cigarette smoke and stuff. She leaves a baby with you. Yeah. And this whole divorce thread uh, seemed really designed to make uh, Stuart really question himself and his lifestyle. He sees his parents that are playing a divorce. He sees Romy getting married to Lance for dubious reasons. And this also gave Clive an opportunity to kind of vaguely ask Stuart the question. She leaves her baby with you. She's a friend. She must be a very good friend. She's not that sort of friend. Well, Stuart, I didn't think that for a second. Now your mother and me is no wonder we ended up like this. It's like we said everything there is to say. And again, I don't think we've said anything at all. If ever, if ever there's anything that... Like what? I really thought at the end that Stuart was going to tell him, but in the, in the event, it was really telling that Stuart didn't take the bait and didn't say a thing. Yeah, okay. I'm with you, yeah. Because, yeah, I was getting the vibe that Clive was hip to what is going on like what Stuart's situation is <laughs> in terms of him being gay uh and was sort of just like waiting for him to say those words but he didn't and then it didn't happen <laughs> yeah. But yeah then it didn't happen I, I think there was like a, a part of me that also thought that Clive managed to put it all together and then that's what sort of made him say like okay I'm gonna go now like then he was uncomfortable and this brings us to the culmination of all these three stories that we just talked about Everything's building up to this final scene of the episode. Uh, We see Stuart drop Alfred off at Hazel's. So clearly he's had enough and he needs to head to the nearest uh, liquor dispensary. And or club. Yes, he goes uh, straight to the club for some quality time with Vince. For Stuart, everything just kind of makes sense when he's with Vince. Vince is often not that judgmental against Stuart. And if he is, it doesn't last that long. It's just this fleeting moment, and then it just kind of retreats. But the real scene here that really wrapped up the whole episode was Stuart and Cameron 
sitting in the bar together. And I was totally faked out. I thought for sure that Stuart was going to raise the issue of Vince with Cameron and kind of push Cameron out of the way. But then it was about Vince's birthday party coming up. And Cameron makes it clear that he's questioning if he really wants to be involved with Vince, given that Stuart comes as part of the package. Yes, that when he says, like, whether or not I'm still here. And you're mm-hmm. like, what does that mean? What is it, a family? All those people gathered around your own little make-believe family. You even had a baby just to finish it off. If you think that's a family, you're fucked. It's sex. It's always sex with you. Everything you do is sex. What do you think Vince is there for? He's my friend. He's just waiting. He's been waiting so long he thinks he's happy. Being with you every day of his life is as close as he's going to get. Close to what? To the day you finally turn around and fuck him and don't tell me you didn't know that. Look, I could go. I could just walk away. I don't think he'd even notice. But he's worth the chance. He deserves the chance, doesn't he? So what am I supposed to do? Leave him alone. If you are any sort of a friend. Because there's no such thing as Vince. He doesn't exist on his own. You don't let him. And I like him. So maybe I'm stupid. But I really like him. And I totally disagree with Cameron's preachy little speech to Stuart here. Stuart created his chosen family when his own family was just completely mental. What does that have to do with sex, Cameron? I I don't understand why you made this all about sex. Exactly. Like this discussion of uh, he describes it as a a make-believe family. And I'd be like, well, yeah, Cameron. Yeah, sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, to quote a famous drag queen we as gay people get to choose our family. Like we're coming from uh, a world where not every uh, gay person gets to have the support of their parents. And so they rely on the, the, the friends that they make that to take them in or, you know, and we see, we see Hazel do it. We see Hazel do it with Nathan. Like, yes, he can stay and live here and know that he's in a safe space and that Janice is un, is aware that he's being taken care of. Like Nathan and Vince have been together for so long like yes of course they relied on each other that's that's a thing that's what happens <laughs> and it's fine and it's beautiful and it's perfect and i would rather be with those people than a lot of my like cousins <laughs> exactly like you know there are some uh, there are some who are incredibly privileged to know that their family has accepted them and and it's as if nothing really changes but then there are those Stuart is a prime example who is not even out to his parents, only to his sister. And so, yeah, he he has locked himself in with the family that has accepted him for all of his faults. Like Vince accepts him anytime that he knows he's gonna get he's gonna get dropped for the next trick. Or um, you know, Hazel has always accepted Stuart into the home. Like that is that is a thing. That is okay. So how, how dare you, Cameron, decide that you think it's inappropriate? I, as much as I like you. 
you're the <laughs> new guy in town. So the question is whether or not you get to be accepted into this family. I liked a few sentences of what he said. And that was his point at the end when he said that Vince is just waiting for Stuart to fuck him. And that was really all that scene needed to say. I, I don't think like the whole make-believe family thing really mattered here, right? Absolutely not. Like he, he should have just made it clear. Like I know that Vince has unrequited feelings for you. I know that that may not get solved, even if you do fuck him out of pity. <laughs> but it, uh, that's yeah, I agree. That's all that needed to be said. Like if he had acknowledged that, but instead he tried to go into a more sinister direction and tries to undercut everything that Stuart knows to be part of who he is. Okay, let's wrap this episode up with tops and bottoms. What was your top, Matt? Uh, my top. Uh, <laughs> I had to look at my notes to see how I described this. Uh, I would say the the takes on coming out. I think we we saw like the different ways the people had to deal with it and how the people in their lives handled it or how they still have not handled it. And I really like that. It felt very truthful, like uh, everything from even something that we thought was as what was so like just such a small scene with Alexander screaming at his parents saying, look at me, said so much like my heart actually sank when Vince revealed that that was his parents. Like the, And I think that says so much compared to then how Vince and Hazel handle each other and, and, and how Nathan is handling his parents and how his parents are handling his situation. And then again, to how Stuart has still avoided the question. So all around the way people have handled the coming out situation in this episode. Yeah, with their parents. <laughs> with their parents. That's being the key part there. Yeah. Uh, so my top was, uh, I enjoyed seeing humanity in Stuart. He wasn't portrayed as the vapid uber gay. He was being mm -hmm. impacted by what was happening around him, despite criticism coming at him from all angles, including from Lance, who doesn't even know him. He comes across as a, a sympathetic character, and it worked well in these mm -hmm. interconnected stories about parents. And so I really liked the richness of what Stuart brought to the episode. Uh, what was your bottom? Fucking Nathan. <laughs> Still, is he starting to annoy you? Absolutely. He's being he's being a he's being a snotty little teenager is what he's being. Like the way he just you know he feels like he's acting above his uh, above his age. Matt, he is a snotty uh, little teenager. Yeah, and he's, he really is being a snotty <laughs> little teenager. Like it continues to hurt me the way he is hurting his mother who is making every effort to understand him to support him to like let him live his life to show that it's okay that you know she's she's trying everything and the fact that donna is the one who's also saying like she's trying and all he can say is fuck them fuck them all it's like what's your problem dude <laughs> my bottom was cameron's speech at the end uh, that Fair. included rather abstract concepts that kind of didn't need to be there to tell this whole story. It could have been a bit tighter, uh, but I really had to struggle to find something about this episode that just didn't make good sense to me because I liked the episode and it was mm -hmm. just kind of this, this small Cameron speech that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. This has been episode six of series one and it was called Meet the Parents. Next time on Still Queer as Folk, Stuart and Cameron throw a surprise party for Vince's birthday causing their rivalry over Vince to escalate. Oh boy. Stuart has a nasty surprise that ruins the night for several guests and the marriage of convenience between Romy and Lance is causing drama. That'll be episode seven of series one and it's called 30. 
Thanks for listening. You can find our U.S. series of Still Queer as Folk at stillqueerasfolk.com and on all of your favorite podcast apps. Until next time, I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Still Queer as Folk is a production of Slightly Unbalanced. Matt Dominguez wrote and performed the show with me tonight. Still Queer as Folk was made with love in Chicago. <laughs>